Welcome, Cap fam and friends of the Purple and White, to Episode 3 of Forward Capital Crusaders. We have a loaded episode today. First, we check in with head softball coach Andrea Nagy and talk about what a wild season year one was for her and the Crusaders, and what is to come in year number two. Our alumni spotlight features a Cap grad that beat the king, LeBron James, in a game of horse. We'll bring 2005 graduate and former basketball player David Kalb onto the program to talk about that moment and what brought him to Cap from Division I Akron. In this episode's feature story, we talk to senior wide receiver David Barnett about going pro. The record-setting wideout signed a deal to play pro-American football in the German Football League this summer. And we'll wrap up the show with our senior spotlight. From the women's lacrosse team, we speak with Brianna Rampey about her time at CAP and how family ties helped keep her here in Columbus. It's time to suit up for the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. All right, Capital Crusaders fans, it is time to open up today's edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. And in our coaches and program spotlight, we are heading to the diamond. We're going to the softball field where we are talking with head coach Andrea Nagy. Coach, your name is probably familiar uh, to those that have been following Capital Softball. If you were around four years ago, you remember Coach Nagy as the graduate assistant coach, and now she's in year one of her year or as her tenure as a head coach. So, uh, Coach, just looking back at year one, this has been anything but normal. But all things considered, if you look back at year one, how do you feel you acclimated to the new role? Um, first off, thanks for having me, Ryan. Um, I would say it was it it was. It was an okay year, like just to get acclimated. I would say I'm so thankful that I was a GA at Capitol just because I already knew a lot of um, the Capitol staff, some of the players on the team. Um, so that really helped me acclimate as a head coach. I would say like the biggest change from being an assistant coach to a head coach is, you know, all of the decisions ultimately are mine and even the like back end ones, whether, you know, fundraising or um, scheduling the games. Um, so things like that, that I think like you don't really think about when you're an assistant or even traveling arrangements, you know, scheduling the vans, the housing, like the airplane flights to Florida, you have to have those all aligned. And if anything is wrong, everything falls back on you, which is fine. Um, but it was definitely a different type of stress than when you're an assistant coach and you're just getting on the plane and ready to go to Florida. Well, and you got to hire your first assistant coach and that was yeah. Tina Del Pino. And what a joy she was to the floor. How weird was it going from like all the responsibilities as an assistant coach fall on to me to being able to delegate those to somebody? Yeah, it was so nice. Um, in the fall, I just felt like I was at practice all day, every day, um, just because I was working with pitchers and catchers and outfield and infield and then hitting. Um, when Tina came in, it was so nice to be able to just delegate pitching and catching to her. And I felt comfortable that I didn't have to be at every single session. So I felt like I had more time to do the office work um, or the back end stuff of being a head coach. So that was really nice, just time wise to be able to sit back a little and be able to put my energy into a different area of the team. Now, after you had graduated with your MBA from Capital and took that coaching experience on with you, tell us a little bit about what you did and where you were prior to returning to Capital. 
Yeah, so in between my two capital stints, I um, was at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland. It's a Division three school, um, and I was an assistant coach there for two years. Um, and while we were, while I was back at Case Western, um, because I had coached there previously, uh, we actually went to the Division three national championships. They frown upon us saying the softball World Series for Division three. It's kind of a sore spot for D three, I think. <laughs> Um, but we went to the national championship and we did really well. Um, we ended up tying for a fifth place. I have the little trophy on my mantle at home. Um, but that was so exciting. Like just being able to not only go to the NCAA tournament is a big, um, deal, just like a regional tournament, but to actually go to regionals, super regionals. And then the national championship was so amazing. Um, and then another fun thing that I did was I was a volunteer coach for the Cleveland Comets, which they're part of the NPF, which is the, um, national pro softball or fast pitch league. Um, and so that was really fun too, you know, after watching all of these, uh, World Series games with all the Division One players, I was able to help coach some of those players in the NPF um, and see all the different um, national teams because they had combined with the NPF um, and even see a couple of my friends. So that was fun. Excellent. Well, that's great experience that you get to bring to Capital. Now we are here with head coach of the softball team at Capital University, Andrea Nagy. You know a little bit about her. Now let's move on to the team. Not the way that anybody wanted the season to end, Coach, but you got to continue the team's tradition of going down to Florida and playing against some top-ranked regional competition. Looking back on that trip, tell us what you were seeing among your team. Oh, my gosh. I was so proud of how my team performed. Um, obviously, like this year, kind of like what we've already talked about, it wasn't um, – the most ideal situations, you know, I was coming in, um, as a new head coach, I got hired like maybe the week before school. Um, and as you said, for a while, I didn't have an assistant. So things were kind of hectic and crazy. Um, but the girls really pulled it together on during spring break and they performed so well. And when I had, um, all of my team meetings with them after spring break, I got a lot of good feedback from them. And I, I felt the same way that I got from their responses. Like a lot of them had said, like, you know, our, our record may not reflect how we played, but like, it felt so good. And if you look at the different games we played, I think there were most of the games we were within one or two runs, maybe three runs. Um, there was only one game um, that Alma really, beat us by six runs but even if you were at that game we were in it and even beating Alma at a certain point in the game until they really kind of started um getting a momentum yeah and they are certainly a team that's high up in the region as far as ranking and their strength uh, helps our strength of schedule quite a bit so to take them to the brink is certainly an accomplishment win or lose now if you were mm -hmm. to look back and, and see a player that was on the right path to having a stellar year who do you think that was oh my gosh I feel like I could think of so many people um I mean our senior Hannah Martin I felt like she was just getting in her groove there were definitely a couple of freshmen um Bree Shear, she was doing great pitching so all of our pitchers were doing great so I can't really Kim and Madrine, I feel like 
<clears throat> they and last year didn't have a lot of experience. So even just like getting their experience and those like first games out of the way, like first game nerves, like, and getting more confidence on the mound. Like I, yeah, like I, I'm trying not to be like negative, but I was like so excited and kind of sad that I wasn't able to see out the year just because so many people were right there ready to go um even Lexi Leggett like she came in and got us a hit the one game that we won against um Hanover she was the momentum driver for that game um even like Tiffany she didn't get a lot of opportunity in Florida but I just felt like when I saw her, we did play one JV game. When she came into that JV game, I was like, wow, like she is ready to go and like could potentially be in a starting role. So there's so many girls, like there's more that I'm not naming. So I'll give you an extra opportunity here because like you said, you know, especially with first years, it, you know, they show the most improvement and it can happen in a very short amount of time once you get your feet wet. So mm -hmm. of the first years, who do you think that you were most impressed with or had maybe the greatest growth of development in that short amount of time? Oh, gosh. Again, like it's hard to say. Again, Tiffany, um, I feel like she was just getting really comfortable in the outfield and at the plate. Bree Shear, I think, again, like she had um really good outings in Florida I think again it's just like confidence and experience um and then even Perry she is a freshman and I really think that she could be a good base runner for us and I don't think people understand how important it is to even just have pinch runners like those are the people that are gonna score you runs and be smart on the bases so um I just want to emphasize like how important even just base running is and then like Jess Camp she is a freshman catcher and again like just getting comfortable behind the plate and not being worried about you know playing with like bigger seniors I feel like coming in as a freshman it may feel intimidating but she just has natural ability behind the plate so that was really impressive too and your seniors they're certainly an entertaining group with Hannah Martin Corey Mangin and Morgan Fatal you yeah. actually coached them as a GA and now come back and they're seniors in your first year as a head coach. So what have you seen from them from year one to year four that makes them special? Oh my gosh. Just that they've been friends for all of these four years. So like their bond is like on, like you cannot break their bond, which is amazing. Um, and they're kind of like their own little group. So like they're, they live together, they are always around each other, but each one of them is so different. Each one of them has a different major. They all have different personalities. Uh, like you said, like Hannah's kind of like loud, Corey's a little quiet, Morgan's kind of like, you know, when she wants to be loud, she'll be loud, but if she wants to be quiet, she'll be quiet. Um, so I just think that the fact that they're all individually different is really helpful just because each of the players under them could like possibly bond with a different one for different reasons so I really loved having them around um, and I really wanted to see their senior year play out because I know they're such hard workers and so dedicated to softball um, that that was part of the reason why we did so well in Florida. All right, we're talking with head softball coach Andrea Nagy here on Forward Capital Crusaders in our softball program and coaches spotlight. Uh, coach, the recruiting trail is certainly a lot different this spring and summer than previous seasons. How's it been treating you thus far and what are you trying to accomplish with your first recruiting class? 
Yeah, so I was really looking forward to going out and watching summer ball tournaments this summer. I'm not sure if it's going to happen. Um, and that's one of the luxuries of being in Columbus. Uh, softball is huge in Columbus, so there's always a huge uh, tournament with great athletes, usually at Berliner or Ohio State has a big cluster of fields that I like going to. Um, unfortunately, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. So it's been a lot of um, watching skills videos and then talking to other coaches about their players um, and then figuring out how to do uh, kind of what Capital Admissions is doing, like virtual visits or, um, you know, figuring out, do I need to FaceTime them? How am I going to involve my current players to make sure that, you know, the my current team usually talks to recruits when they're on campus so it's been interesting um but you know you gotta evolve or you're gonna fall behind right absolutely no doubt about it and if you're looking for those virtual tours make sure you go to www.capital.edu or even check us out online in the athletics department athletics.capital.edu so if you had to pick a moment coach that was your favorite from year one what would it be oh gosh uh I think just the Florida trip in general, like I always tell my student athletes, like if they're not sure about softball, like whether they want to play or um, if they're still feeling kind of like if it's a freshman and they're like, I'm not sure if I'm fitting in, like wait until Florida. Like once you get to Florida, when you're stuck with your teammates for a week and you don't have school and really you, you kind of have nowhere to go other than where you're staying and the field. Um, but that's really where you learn about your teammates, um, and then really create your bonds. So I always try to tell people, wait till Florida. And I feel the same way. Like I was able to learn things from my players that I might not have known before. Um, there's a lot of, I guess, adult things we do. Like we go grocery shopping. This year I um, had the girls, each um, condo that we stayed in, they would be required to make a team dinner one one night of the week. So it's really interesting learning like who who's the one that is organized and likes to go, go grocery shopping, who absolutely hates it, who's a good cook and organized in that area and who absolutely hates it. Um, or just like hearing about, like this person's clean in the house and this person's not. Um, and definitely one of my favorite memories over Florida was we we brought a portable speaker and the girls one night after one of our dinners decided to have like a little karaoke session. And so that was fun to see all the girls like dancing and singing. Um, and it was outside, so I was a little nervous that somebody was going to call the cops on us, but I didn't get any notice, so that was good. Well, that'll take us right into our quick hitters, Coach, and I might have a few more questions to fill that time with. So let's start with that Florida trip and what you learned about your team. Who's the worst karaoke singer? Oh, gosh. I mean, luckily they were trying to get me to sing, and I said no, but I would have said me. Um <laughs> I don't know. They were all good. I don't know. I can't, I can't do that to them. I can't say that. Okay. Who's your best then? Who was the best? Um, I would say I was impressed with Jess. Um, she, she was singing a song that I felt like it was more of like, I don't know, like you don't really sing it. It was more of like a rap song, I guess, but I was like super impressed. Like she's normally really quiet and I was like, okay, Jess. Okay. Jess camp unsung hero. How about that? All right. Who's the best cook? Um, I would say Lexi Anderson. Good deal. Who is the coupon clipper of the group? 
Oh my gosh. Um, Alex Slusher. <laughs> that one catches me by surprise, actually. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, she definitely got her stuff together for grocery shopping. Very good. Who is the player that has the most obnoxious laugh? Laugh. Oh my gosh. Hmm. Probably, again, this is probably me, but I know I'm not the player, but of the team, me. Um, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Um... I don't, Ryan, you stumped me on that one. I guess I don't think about laughs. I don't know. I don't know. Can we skip? Can I skip? You can, can, I, you, can you can pass on that one. <laughs> How about the most creative chant you've ever heard or partaken in a softball game? Chant. Um, gosh, I would say, I again, like as a coach, like I'm always so focused on the game, I almost don't hear things. But I would say if I had to guess, I would say Hannah probably creates some maybe I know obviously she's like one of the louder girls on our team but I would say she probably is creative and uh creates some pretty good ones um unfortunately this year they changed the rule that you're not allowed to use um equipment to bang on the anything so like normally the girls will get like a softball and bang on benches and unfortunately we can't do that anymore that takes out her number one and two options I think (laughs) I know I know all right how about your dream car dream car this is really pathetic but right now i drive an old civic and there's a new uh type r model of like just like a honda civic and i really want the type r um i guess if i was going bigger like more expensive um i get some sort of mercedes i think i'm not sure (laughs) good choice good choice what is one thing that you have gotten to do with a little bit more of this extra time that we have now um I guess I've already started thinking about next year, whereas if we were still in season um, and still practicing and playing, obviously I'd be super focused on this season. So I've already started on um, thinking about, you know, how from my first year, the little bit I had, like, how am I going to make my second year better or how am I going to prepare better? Um, So I've already been thinking about things to do or implement for next year. So that's been nice to have a little more time. Um, But yeah, so that's, and recruiting, of course. The show that you've most recently binge watched. Oh gosh, um, Ozark. You are in good company then. <laughs> What's on deck to binge watch? Um, gosh, I feel like I've already watched everything. It's so I don't even. I'm embarrassed about how much I've already watched. Um, I'm actually on my second watch or run of Schitt's Creek like I've already watched it all once so I'm re-watching everything just when I'm in my downtime like if I'm on my computer just in the background um but yeah I feel like I've un- embarrassingly watched everything Tiger King on my block all American the office like they're already all done so that's embarrassing but it's true well if you're watching something uh tell us what is your favorite sports movie the favorite sport to watch? Is that what you said? Favorite sports movie. Oh, sports movie. Oh, gosh. The classic Sandlot, right? Oh, absolutely. I, oh, gosh. Just, the, Sandlot 1. I don't even know if I wa- I've watched Sandlot 2, but definitely Sand- like the original Sandlot. Nope. The others didn't happen. I'm convinced. So, <laughs> <laughs> And if you're not going to be a coach, what is your next dream job? Um... You know, I've always liked animals. I My family has always had some, like, weird animals. Right now I have a chinchilla. Um, so I think, like, maybe something with animals, like a vet um, or something really – something different. Like, this is completely opposite, but I really like watching um, 
the makeup YouTube videos. So maybe something with makeup. If it couldn't be with sports, it would be animals or makeup. All right. You heard it first. Head coach Andrea Nagy, if you're looking for a makeover or such, you might be talking to her sometime (laughs) in the future. So this has been our coaches and program spotlight. We today are highlighting the Capital softball team, and we've been doing that with head coach Andrea Nagy. Coach, thanks for joining us today and and sharing a little bit of what's going on in the program. And we wish you a a great, I guess, early offseason and hope to, you know, see great things happening for the Crusaders next year. Thank you so much, Ryan. All right. Head coach Andrea Nagy here in our coach's spotlight. We'll be moving forward here on Forward Capital Crusaders after this. All right, Capital fans, we have a special treat in our alumni spotlight on this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. We had some other plans, but you know what? Things happen, and we make way for some of the interesting stories that are incredibly timely. We bring into the program, class of 2005, Capital men's basketball player David Kolb. David started at Akron. He began his career at Akron University and then transferred to Capital and played a couple of seasons with the Crusaders. Was named 2005 All-OAC Honorable Mention after a very successful senior season. Uh, And then to tease everyone, uh, David and LeBron James have actually shared space on the same court, a handshake and a bro hug. There's your teaser. But before we get into that story, uh, let's learn a little bit more about David. First of all, thanks for joining us, David. And, you know, like I said, you're an honorable mention selection from 2005 and spent a couple of seasons at Cap after transferring from Division One Akron. Talk to us about how you started the journey, your hometown, how you made it to Akron and eventually Capital. Uh, so I grew up in Bucyrus, Ohio, so small town. I went to Winford High School, tiny farming community, uh, and I guess basketball was just kind of always what we did. My dad, was a, he played at Capitol. He was always playing in men's leagues, so I just always tagged along with him. And, I mean, really any sport, we played all the sports. It really kind of all started with my dad and just following him around and playing while he was playing. Um, so yeah, I played through high school and I think it's one of those things when I was, when I was in high school, I knew I was good. I might've thought I was better than what I actually was, but uh, I was just like, I want to go D1, you know, that was like my main thing. I want to go D1. And so Akron showed interest. Uh, I was a preferred walk-on, so I didn't have a scholarship, but I had a spot on the team. Uh, you know, really that first year there for the for the first half of the season, I was actually the backup point guard because there was a couple people who were eligible. Um, but I think I just, you know, I was happy. I was happy that I was playing D1, but I think some of it was homesickness. Some of it was just... I was over basketball, and I decided I wasn't going to play that uh, that next year. And, and so that leads you to Capital. Is there a particular reason why you chose it? Was it, uh, you know, your your father's influence or just, you know, what about Capital made it attractive? And, and then, again, you pick up the rock when you thought you maybe not, uh, you weren't going to. <laughs> so what what happened before that was – at the end of my freshman year of college, I knew I wasn't going back to Akron, and I decided to go to stunt school to be like a stunt man. So I went to stunt school, and then when I finished stunt school, 
right after I finished, 9-11 happened. And my mom was freaked out because she thought there was going to be a draft. So she's like, you need to enroll in school. So after Mary and OSU had already started classes, <laughs> I enrolled. Uh, and shortly after that, there was like, uh, I saw flyers for a tryout for the OSU Marion basketball team, which they hadn't had since I don't think the 80s. Uh, and I was like, sure, I'll go do a tryout, whatever. So I went and uh, I knew I was going to make the team. But uh, a couple weeks in, I didn't go to one of the practices. And they were like, well, why aren't you going? I said, well, I, I'm not going to play because I'm only going to go to school this first quarter. And then I'm just going to get a job and try and move out to California. And it was so unorganized. Uh, the coach was just like, ah, don't worry about that. You know, we'll, you know, we'll talk about that when that time comes. So I went to school that first quarter, the whole second half, the whole second half, I wasn't even enrolled in school. I, I was working at a factory night shift. And then I would just wake up and drive to wherever we were playing and just playing the basketball game. <laughs> and I, I never really looked into it, but I mean, that basically counted as a year of eligibility, which is why I only played years at Capital. Um, but getting to why I went to Capital, Capital was always a school I knew about, obviously, because my dad played there, my mom went there, my great uncle, Paul Klupfer, he's in the Hall of Fame, my dad's cousin, Beth, is in the Hall of Fame. So, and they recruited me out of high school. So, when I eventually decided I wanted to, you know, I wanted to continue playing. I, uh, I kind of reached out to those schools who were looking at me in high school. And then, honestly, the biggest factor was it was in Columbus, and all my friends were living in Columbus. Um, so it was kind of that perfect mix of, you know, going to a small school, but still being able to, you know, you're not in a tiny town somewhere. And, I mean, at that point, Capital was on a roll. They had just you know, come off a season where I think they only lost three games the whole year and it was about Otterbein and Otterbein ended up winning the national championship. So I knew it was a good program. Very good. Well, and then, you know, you talk about how, I mean, what a path first and foremost. Uh, and so you go from, um, you know, maybe never picking up a basketball again to I'll oh, give it a shot. And then you find your way at capital, you know, was there a big adjustment that you had to make, between going from the seriousness of Division One basketball to picking it up and then getting back into a program, even at the Division Three level. But, I mean, it's under head coach Damon Goodwin, so it's going to probably be treated like a Division One program to an extent. Oh, yeah, and, and people ask me that a lot or have asked me that, like, what's the difference? And honestly, the conditioning at Capital was easily twice part of what it was at Akron and I think part of that is you have so many kids you know that try out for the team you gotta dwindle it down a little bit but uh, I mean it's the same thing practices are just as hard there's just not the size you know you don't have like the 610 6'11 guys um, but you know regardless of where you go once you start playing college ball you realize that no matter what level, like these guys are strong, they're skilled. Um, yeah, it was definitely, it was a tough adjustment for me. My, uh, 
my first year, I definitely struggled and, you know, lost a little confidence in myself. And it was kind of a weird year all the way around just because of injuries. And we had some new faces on the team, but, uh, the first year was tough. Um, second year, I feel like talent wise, we probably weren't as good, but I, we kind of had a better team, uh, you know, that meshed well together and just being there, you know, just having a year under my belt made things easier. Yeah. Well, and then your senior season, like I said, you, you came back and you were an all OAC honorable mention selection, 11.6 points per game, 91 assists. Uh, yeah. A, a very successful senior campaign. This is David called of the class of 2005 and, you know, one of the big reasons that we're talking, David, is because just recently uh, ESPN put on television the I, I'm not even sure what they called it, but it was a, a competition of horse, the game horse that NBA and professional athletes were taking part in in various locations. And of course, when this happens, someone came up and said, well, you got to remember that time that LeBron James got destroyed by some guy named David. Well, that's you. <laughs> I mean, to, to say it out loud, it must be incredible to hear uh, that you beat LeBron James in a game of horse. Do you still feel it crazy to hear that said out loud? Uh, I don't find it that crazy just because it was so long ago. And I've, like, it always comes up, you know? So I think it's more it's more exciting to the people who, like, meet me. And don't know about it. And they're like, wait a second, what? Or it's just, you know, it's just one of those fun little, uh, it's one of those fun little things that my friends like to bring up when we meet new people. Or uh, or they might have actually heard of it before. And then they're like, wait a second, that was you? So, I don't know, it's just pretty funny. Yeah, and so this happened, refresh my memory or correct me if I'm wrong, but this happened about 12 years ago. And it was part of a competition that club cadet the famous lawnmower manufacturer put on um is that correct and and kind of just talk to us about how that all happened so so i actually in 2007 i moved to california with two other capital grads who actually played basketball too craig freimeyer evan hartman so i was actually living with them and working with them and one of my buddies from ohio called me and said hey, you got to check out this contest. It's called LeBron's Trick Shot Challenge. Basically, you film your best trick shot and the internet votes. Uh, So we had a hoop at our warehouse. And actually, Craig and Evan and I had actually been playing a decent amount of horse in those days. I had never filmed a trick shot or anything before. I'd always messed around with it. And, you know, anytime I was in the gym for a while, I'd get bored with just, you know, shooting so i'd always try up with crazy stuff but anyways uh one night we just we got the keys to the warehouse and went in and my buddy craig jumped on a forklift we put a basketball hoop on the forklift he started doing donuts in it and basically i threw the ball over the forklift it bounced off a wall and then went back into the forklift as it was spinning around and that ended up being the the shot that won me the uh, the opportunity to play against them. That that's incredible. And if you haven't seen the shot, 
the story, the link to the story is on our athletics page, athletics.capital.edu. Uh, simply click on that or go to our Twitter page at Cap Crusaders. The link will take you and give you all of the videos from the head to head versus LeBron, that trick shot that David is talking about. And uh, you can see it all. Did, was that a, that wasn't a first attempt shot or how many times did it take to make that trick shot that landed you the gig? Uh, it took about, it took about 25, 30 minutes. Um, so not too crazy long. I've had, I've had some shots since I've started doing them where I've had shots that have taken me like 10 hours <laughs> over, over like four different weekends where I'll try it for two and a half hours, be exhausted, go back the next week and then eventually get it. So in terms of some of the other ones I've done, uh, yeah, it didn't take that long. <laughs> that's incredible now when you let's fast forward to the i guess the championship bout your your head-to-head against the king lebron james um when you were choosing what shots you were going to take what was involved in that choice was it a weakness you saw or was it things that you had practiced that you were just hoping would work out how'd that work out uh it was it's pretty much stuff that i'd just always done but uh the thing about the competition it was supposed to be a game of one-on-one. Um, and I even remember thinking leading up to it, like that doesn't, like I was excited about it, but it's like, that doesn't seem like something that LeBron would do just cause you know, maybe what if he got hurt or something? Um, yeah. So I was, in, I was going into it thinking maybe I'll get, you know, if I just score one bucket on him, you know, that's going to be cool. Uh, and then it was either the night before or two nights before I went to dinner with some of the Cub Cadet people and they told me that we were going to play horse. And at first I was, I was kind of bummed, but then I was like, wait a second, I, I could beat him. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I had some general shots in mind. I knew I would, I knew what I was starting it out with, but uh, other than that, just kind of stuff that I'd always done and actually still do now when I'm playing horse. So when I, I watched the video, and again, if you haven't seen it, athletics.capital.edu will take you right to the sports. This is a, a piece put on by Sports Illustrated, no less. So it's it's got some run. Um, but in the video, one of them, uh, LeBron, kind of in frustration, uh, said, GD horse shark. Is that the greatest compliment you've ever received? Uh, it's up there. It's up there for sure. I, enjoy, uh, I kind of enjoy the other stuff where they talk about uh, – you know, this 26 year old warehouse worker or some bald white. No, I kind of like that stuff. Cause I don't know. It's just funny. That's great. This is David Kolb, class of 2005. We're talking about his one-on-one horse competition against LeBron James in, in which he had beaten the King. Um, now, I, I know that this is not something new for you because this is obviously something that you've done before. But, you know, Tyler Schleich, a, another one of your teammates, said that this all started or at least was most noticed that you were doing this in the Capitol Center. Is that true? I don't even remember. I'm sure I, I'm sure I was as much as I could, you know. But even, like, I think about growing up and if I'm playing basketball, I can play all day i love playing but like just i remember being little and shooting hoops outside of my house and then eventually just seeing how far behind the board i could go and still you know make it so i don't remember anything in particular at capital doing that kind of stuff but i'm sure 
I'm sure I probably did just not to the scale that, you know, I do it now or film myself doing. So, I mean, I, I have an eight year old son. And so as part of being a dad to that age group, you're introduced to guys like dude, perfect. And this sounds like you were dude, perfect before dude, perfect. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? It was, you know, we were, I think I was like all this with LeBron went down slightly before, you know, they put out their first video, but obviously they've taken it to a whole nother level. Um, but it was definitely, I feel like it was kind of the beat. When I started doing trick shots, there weren't that many on YouTube. Uh, so it kind of happened at a good time. And I don't want to say I started the whole thing, but <laughs> You know, it's definitely there at the beginning. Yeah, you you definitely stoked the fire, that's for sure. So, uh, so I, I know that like if you go onto your IG account uh, on Instagram, you post a lot of very creative, what looks like these very intricate obstacle courses of sorts. And I know that you call them something different. This is new to me. What, what is it that we're seeing on your Instagram account, and and how do we see them? What's your handle? So the handle is just my name, David Kalb. And then, yeah, they're technically called like Rube Goldberg machines, uh, which is basically, uh, I think the definition of a Rube Goldberg is uh, basically just a very long, like chain reaction type of setup that uh, in the traditional sense, it'd be like this really long, elaborate thing to just do something very little, like, you know, pour a glass of milk or, you know, something totally more complicated than it needed to be but uh <laughs> yeah so i mean i'm lucky that i have a yard at my house and i don't know when i did my first one they've gradually gotten bigger and bigger over time but uh it's just kind of fun to get in the yard and get out all pvc pipe and random stuff and just basically try and create something well, they're certainly entertaining. They're very intricate, and it, it shows off your very creative mindset that you do have. So uh, this is, again, this is David Cow, class of 2005 from Capital Men's Basketball. And, and, David, as we wrap up here, you know, I guess now we ask the obvious questions. You know, where are you now? What are you up to? Uh, where is life taking you? So I'm out in California. I am currently furloughed from my job because of the virus. Uh and hoping to go back to that soon. I, I've been kind of in between. I work seasonally. I work on a, uh, I work in the art department for a TV show on Adult Swim, um, where I'm a prop maker. Uh, so when that's uh, when that's going on, you know, I'm driving up to to Burbank every day and working up in LA. And then when that show's not going on. I'm working for an events company down here in Huntington Beach and then just trying to do as much creative stuff as I possibly can when I have time, which that's what I'm doing right now. Right. Well, can you share with us the show? Is it one that we've heard of before? Probably not. It's called, it's called Dream Corp LLC. It's a super weird, dark show on Adult Swim. 
Well, if anybody's out there watching Adult Swim and all of our newly found spare time, <laughs> look for the credits. And it sounds like that we're going to be seeing David Kalb's name down there. So uh, and talking about just, you know, looking back again, um, you know, it all kind of started at Capitol. But many, many years before um, you even got there and that with your late father, Don, who is in the Hall of Fame. And you mentioned that there were some other uh, members of your family that were in the Capitol Athletics Hall of Fame. But I'm, I'm certain that uh, your father, Don, was one of the more influential figures in your life. And, and not only that, but also getting to Capitol. Just talk about, you know, maybe things that he shared with you about Capitol prior to you getting there and just that the specialness of being at a place that meant so much to your dad as well. Yeah, it was always, you know, I remember being little because my mom went to Capitol too. That's where they met. She was a cheerleader. Um, so growing up, you know, if we were ever in Columbus, we'd usually hop over and check out Capitol's campus and they'd, they'd take us around. And, you know, usually once a year, we might go to a Capitol game. Um, but yeah, growing up, I mean, my dad was always playing and in youth sports, he was always coaching us and he was just, um, he was always, was I wouldn't say he was hard, no, not at all. He wasn't hard on us, but definitely very supportive and always, you know, basically always tell me what he thought I could work on and, you know, just kind of keep me in check. And then, you know, like the thing that I remember the most is, you know, when I played at Akron, my dad went to every single basketball game. We played, we played a game up in Buffalo on a weeknight. And so my, my dad drove from Worcester because he was working in Worcester, drove from Worcester up to Buffalo. I didn't even get in the game. And then, you know, saw him for 10 minutes afterwards. And then, and then he drove back to Ohio. So that's kind of the thing that, you know, really sticks with you and just knowing how much support I had from him. And I mean, my mom also, I think that was the only game she didn't go to, but, uh, that's kind of the, the thing that really, I guess, explains how supportive my parents were and, and how invested they were into, you know, my basketball career. Fantastic. And of course, I'm sure he had some fantastic stories being that he was at the start of the Vince Chicarella era that had a lot of success with many uh, OAC titles. And so I'm sure he had many a story to share. Is there one that maybe he shared or something maybe that uh, tilted the scale uh, from his playing days that made you want to you know, look into capital as a possibility? Um, def- definitely some some really good stories. Uh, my uncle has all the good stories because he went there as well, but he wasn't on the basketball team. He was actually the last cut. So he said it was ended up being the best thing that ever happened to him because then he got to enjoy college and wasn't just riding the bench on a college team. But so my dad was there from 68 to 72. That's, uh, you know, there was a lot going on back then. And I think it was an Ohio Westland game. A huge fight broke out. And this was in Ohio Westland's old gym with, you know, like a low upper seating area. Like people were jumping Mm -hmm. down from the balcony to get down onto the court into the fight. (laughs) And then uh, my other one that my uncle told me was that uh, I don't know what year it was, but 
during football season, my uncle's fraternity was waving their fraternity flag in their student section. A group of Otterbein kids, I don't know if they went across the field or walked around, but they went up into the student section and stole their flag. So when they played in basketball that year, the Otterbein student section was holding up this flag that they had won from the Capitol guys. And as soon as the national anthem ended, a group of guys walked straight across the court, walked up into the crowd and took it back. <laughs> well, that, that, if that doesn't say rivalry, I don't know what does. Well, even, uh, so probably my best memory from Capitol, it was my senior year at Otterbein. The game ended, we won. And then one of the other, the other team's point guard, his uncle, like confronted our coach after the game when we were walking back to the locker room. And I can't remember if he like shoved Coach Goodwin or what he did. Basically, our whole team ended up chasing the guy out of the building. We ran all the way around the building and came back in through the front entrance. Uh, and then it all kind of like died down. It almost seemed like there was going to be a fight. But then we then we got into the locker room. And everyone was so pumped up, and coach was pumped, and we just all ended up like you know, jumping around. <laughs> uh, the untold <laughs> stories of Capital Athletics. These are the things that don't make the press release. Again, uh... <laughs> and those are the things that you remember, like more than, you know, more than any like actual physical playing. It's like the random stories like that, or um, one more. One more story that really sticks out to me, and this is this is when you're like, what am I doing? You know, like when the season, you're in the grind and you're tired. And we, uh, we had a game later in the season against Mount Union. It was a Saturday afternoon game. And we went up there and we ended up losing. We shouldn't have lost. And then we get back to the cap center. We park in front of the cap center. And, you know, at this point, it's 8, 8.30 at night on a Saturday night. And uh, we park, and Coach just stands up and goes, all right, 30 minutes dressed and ready for practice. And we had practice that night, <laughs> the same day of the game, because <laughs> we needed it. <laughs> yep, that, that'll be some, one of those things that, yeah, not often – talked about but uh, a fantastic memory to take away from uh, your time at Capitol and thank you for sharing with us all of those memories and and going down uh, and talking about how you would beat LeBron James in a game uh, a horse one-on-one I mean this has been fantastic stuff and we certainly appreciate all the time and, and everything that you shared with awesome. us here well, today thanks for having me on all right, David called class of 2005 men's basketball. He was an all-OAC honorable mention selection, but most notably, he was that guy, David, that destroyed LeBron James in a game of horse. Go to our athletics website, athletics.capital.edu, to get the link to the Sports Illustrated story and get yourself caught up on a piece of history that happened outside of the walls of Capital, but definitely one of the more uh, memorable times in his life and uh, in our memory. So, David Kalb, thank you very much for joining us, and we're going to keep on rolling along here and forward Capital Crusaders. We've reached the halfway point in this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. Now's your chance to hit pause and head to the locker room if you need a huff. 
just don't sub us out. If you're going to do any kind of subbing, make sure that you subscribe to the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast on whichever app you're listening to and turn on your notifications so you never miss an episode. Leave us a comment and a rating while you're at it. Please and thank you. It's now time for the second half of action of the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for our feature spotlight in this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. And this time we go to the gridiron. We are talking with senior David Barnett, wide receiver of the Capital football team. And big news out of David's camp. David is going to be going international and he's going to go play professional. Now, I'm not even sure where to begin with this, David, because this is pretty big news. I don't think we've had an athlete go on to play pro in any sport for at least 10 years or so. And that's just a guess on my part. It could be longer. So first, tell us about the league that you are going to be playing in. Yeah, so it's a uh, it's in the it's in Germany. Um, it's a step below the GFL two. Um, don't really know how to pronounce it, but um, it's it, it should be a pretty competitive league, similar to you know Division three teams. You'll you'll see here probably a really really good Division three team is the teams I'm going to be facing. So um, I'm excited. Um, it is big news, not only for me, but for my family as well. They're really, really excited. So I'm really excited to get going. And I'm going to give us, I'm going to take a stab at trying to pronounce this thing. It, it looks or sounds like Regina Liga, but that, yeah. <laughs> is that yeah. something comparable? Yeah. Yeah. You, you were pretty close. All right. So this is an American football league. So you're going over and you're playing the kind of ball that you're used to playing on Saturdays, except it's in Germany. Um, tell us what you know uh, about your team, where that's located, and um, you know what their place is in Regional Liga. Um, yeah, so Regional Liga is basically kind of like a, a, like I said, a step below GFL two. So if you win the league, you are now in the GFL two. So um, they won the league uh, once or twice, I think, a few years ago. So they had the opportunity to move up to the GFL too, but unfortunately when they were there, they didn't do well, so they had to go back down. Um, the team's placed in Ritterhue, Germany. It's um, northern Germany, a uh, very small town. Um, I guess like the, the the town over is Brennan, I think, is the next biggest. But um, from what I've, been, what I've seen on their Facebook page and talking to the coaches and some of the players, it's a real football-oriented um, – town they love they love their hometown team so i think that'll be really really cool to play in front of now i mean they play football just pretty much by the same rules that we play by whether it's at the ncaa or even the professional mm -hmm. level I, I think they said that they model after the ncaa model um right i mean this is legit football this isn't like canadian football this is you know they even got cheerleaders and everything right yeah <laughs> So it and it's going to be interesting just to see like how they go about things, you know what I mean? Like how they go about practices and getting ready for games and stuff like that. So uh, it'll be pretty cool. It'll be a pretty cool experience. Now, what have you been told as far as what may be the major differences between what you're used to on Saturdays here and what you'll be getting into once you go across the pond and into Germany? Yeah. So um, obviously older older guys um some guys are late 20s 
early 30s. Um, some some guys have families. Some guys even work a job, and they do this just for fun. So um, it's going to be a different culture, you know. I'm used to guys my age joking around with those guys and, you know, just being with people that know my personality, know all everything like that. So I'm basically getting into I don't even know. It's going to be I'm going in with a blind eye basically and going to be with guys anywhere from my age to middle 30s. <laughs> now we'll we'll get into some of the specifics, but I kind of want to take a step back and and go back to the beginning. I mean, you you're starting to suit up for your senior year and that sounds like that's about the time frame which you began thinking and pursuing this opportunity, I guess, first and foremost, what made you want to go down this road? And did you really believe that this was going to be a possibility when you first began this journey? Absolutely not. I, n- I never thought that I would actually fully pursue this opportunity. Um, you know, it's just when you're in middle of the season, you're, lo- you're loving what you're playing. You're just like, man, I want to keep doing this, keep going and keep going. So you know, at first it was just kind of like, let's see what's out there. You know, let's see if I actually have what it takes and if teams want me. So I just kind of, you know, put my name on that website, uh, europlayers.com, uploaded my film, um, and then started reaching out. And, you know, I never, throughout the season, I was kind of, you know, just not really taking it that serious. And then when the season was over was when I really started missing it. And I was like, all right, yeah, I know that my football career is not going to be over here. So that's when I started actively pursuing it, um, really reaching out to coaches, two, three coaches a day. And I was getting some feedback. I was getting a lot. But um, this team just kind of spoke out to me, and I I really like what they had to offer. So take us through that recruitment process. I mean, is it a recruitment process? We say professional football, and obviously, you know, that's like, you know, now we're talking agents and Jerry Maguire type stuff, you know. But, uh, <laughs> you know, talk, or take us through that whole process of, of what it took to find the teams that had mutual interest and then what led you to the Ritterhude Badgers and, and why that team? Yeah, so um, it basically is. It ba- it's basically like recruiting. Um you know, you, you contact the teams or they contact you. You see what they have to offer you. You can even negotiate what you want. So say they're paying you 600 euros, but they're not paying for your phone. You can be like, okay, well, pay me 500 euros, but pay for my phone. So, like, if you get lucky enough, you can, you can negotiate with the team, depending if they allow it. But um, uh, what, really spoke, what really got me was, man, they pay for everything. So... <laughs> Like I, they pay for insurance, phone, housing, flight, like all that. And then on top of it, I'm getting a salary of five to 600 euros a month because their pay is based off incentives as well. So if you, if we win, you get an extra 50 euros if we, you know what I mean? So it can fluctuate each month. But um, I was like, it's in Germany and Germany's basically, I think middle of Europe. So like you can go, you can go anywhere you can visit a lot of places and I like the location of where the team was. I mean, I had great transparency with the coaches, um, talked to some of the players. They seemed really, really cool, really nice. They helped me out. So just going through this process, it was just, it felt like this was the right team for me. 
This is David Barnes, senior wide receiver for Capital Football, and he's going pro. He's going to Germany, and he's going to be playing for the Ritterhude Badgers in the German Football League Regionalia or Regionaliga uh, division. So, David, uh, you know, to my understanding, um, Ritterhude was not the only team to show an interest in you. Uh, where else were you fielding offers, or what else was an option to you? Yeah, so, oh gosh, I, I don't remember them all, but I know I had one in Italy, one in Sweden, one in Czech, and I think another one in Germany as well. I'd, I'd have to double check, but there was at least four or five other teams that I was looking at. And then decided, I mean, what what really sold you? I mean, it sounds like that they were the most accommodating, but was there another element outside of the, uh, you know, the, the tangible things that they were offering? Um, yeah, with the coach, he just, you could tell he, he was really invested in me. He really wanted me to get over there and he took an interest in my family too. He was like, if you need me to talk to your mom or your dad on the phone, like give him the phone, give him my number, I'll call them. He was like, I just want to make sure that I want them to feel comfortable about them putting their son across the ocean with me. You know what I mean? So he was he was really, really good with that, and I, I, that's what I really liked. I want people who actually want me and take an interest in me, and that's what he did. Well, that's part of the sell. Mom and dad's got to be on board, too. So you know, oh, yeah. tell, tell me about their support level in all of this. I mean, they're, they're sending their baby across the ocean to another <laughs> continent. I mean, they, have to, they had to have some thoughts, too. Yeah, um, they didn't hesitate when I called them and told them about it. My, my dad's a dreamer, so he was just, go for it, absolutely. He was like, I'll do whatever it takes. Um, we support you. And then my mom was the same way. She was like, when do you get a chance to see Europe basically for free? <laughs> and I was like, I mean, you're right about that. And she was like, and you love football? Like, this is a win-win for you. And I was like, you're right. So they didn't hesitate when I told them. They were just, go for it. Now, when the offer came through and you made that decision that Ritterhude was going to be your next summer home, you know, how did it feel to, to have that contract in hand, to sign it and then send it back? Uh, and, and I felt a lot of joy. It's kind of a surreal moment. Um, it sucks because you actually have to get back to reality faster than you think. <laughs> so, you know, I, I tried to live that moment out as long as I could. It, it, it was cool. And you speak about that reality. We'd be remiss if we didn't at least acknowledge the fact, you know, in the times that we're living in right now, we're dealing with the coronavirus and a lot of uncertainty, not just here domestically, but also internationally. I mean, um, tell us, given what we are all going through across the globe, um, you know, what, what is the landscape of the GFL and their decision to continue? How is that pushed back? Any timelines and, and that whole situation, at least yeah. as far as you can talk about? So... GFL one, GFL two, and region Liga, <laughs> however you say it, they're all they're all separate leagues, so they can do what whatever they want. I guess they don't really have to. They usually, but they usually follow one another. So if GFL one postpones, GFL two will postpone. Uh, region Liga will postpone. So um, right now, um, I find out from my coach mid April, so coming up soon. Um, what's going to happen if they're either going to keep it postponed or they're going to cancel it completely. Okay. Now, being that 
Um, things are a little bit up in the air. I mean, that doesn't stop your training for all of this. And no. talk about what you've been doing to train and if there's been any challenges involved considering the coronavirus pandemic that we're going through. Yeah. Um, and any football player would know this, but in order to take those hits, you have to put up the weight. Like you have to be lifting weights constantly. Um, body weight workouts only do so much, <laughs> but in order for, in order to train your muscles the way you need them to be in, in order to, for your body to withstand a whole season of getting hit, you need some weights. So that's my biggest concern. Um, you know, you can do so much, you know, you can put a, a backpack on and do back squats or take some bands and do some resistant band training. But then again, that only gets you so far. So um, for me, I've just been trying to do whatever I can. Um, like I said, re resi resistance bands have been my main workout tool that I've been using. A lot of push-ups, a lot of sit-ups, <laughs> a lot of just like military exercises, it, it seems like. Well, do you feel that you're ready considering all that? Um, for the most part, yeah. My, my body feels good. I'm like I said, I've just been training for it. Like I'm about to go into a new season. So body feels good. Mine's a little shaky right now just because of this whole pandemic. But body-wise, I feel ready. All right, we're talking with David Barnett, senior wide receiver here for Capital Football, going pro and playing for the Ritter-Hude Badgers of the German Football League. And, and so, David, you know, I know that there's the chance that this doesn't happen, but it, just talking between you and I, it sounds like that even if this season doesn't happen, that doesn't mean the dream's dead. Tell us a little bit more about what other opportunities you've been given. Yeah, so um, I got offered um, to play next season as well. However, with school <laughs> and all that, I'll be I'll be graduating, so that means I'd miss graduation. Um, I don't know if I could take a job offer because I I, I would get back late August, uh, early September, and school starting like we're probably a week or two into school already um for any high school that offers me a job so i mean it's tough i still haven't made my decision yet at all if i'm even going to pursue it but um you know it, it's still cool it's still pretty cool to you know just have that as an uh as an option so looking forward to it we'll just see how it plays out see what's being offered and go from there the time right that's what they say mm -hmm. exactly So now david just kind of jumping back over here into the states i mean you are a senior you're you're four years here at capital playing football that eligibility is used up and you've used it to the best that you've possibly been able to holding two records here at capital um as a wide receiver and um you know but you still have another year of school left to go so tell us what you're studying and uh you know what the plan is as you know i guess a, a backup plan to what happens if gfl doesn't happen yeah so i'm studying education uh, specifically high school science so i'm hoping to um, get a job near the Columbus area, and I don't know where at <laughs> yet, but hopefully I'm going to stay in Columbus, and um, I want to coach football. So that's my plan right now. I just got I got observations in the fall, student teaching in the spring, and I'll be done. All right. Now, you say that you want to coach football, and, I mean, you're going to be around next year. I'm, is there any thought that you might hang around the team and maybe donate your services in another way? Yeah, um, I talked to Coach Rogo about it. Um, he said he would love to have me on. So I think that's what I'm going to be doing from the fall. 
All right. Well, that'll be great. And then that'll be great experience mm-hmm. taken into whatever high school does decide to uh, bring you on board. And so, I mean, are you working toward any kind of specialization in your education field or just uh, whatever is going to get you in the door? Uh, basically, whatever's going to get me in the door. Preferably, I would like to teach biology. But, you know, if chemistry or, or physics gets me in the door, then so be it. All right. Well, I know that uh, your alma mater, Shawnee High School, might be a knocking. I don't know if they've expressed any interest, but I know that you're over <laughs> there and uh, you know, just given your services on a volunteer basis, you know, in the off season. So uh, maybe we'll be ta- talking uh, about Coach Barnett, be it purple and white or going back to your uh, mater. But either way, it sounds like that football is without question in your future. Oh, for sure. I'm not going to leave it anytime soon. Excellent. Well, David Barnett, of the uh, Capital University football team, senior wide receiver that is going to be entering his fifth year. We might be calling him Coach Barnett at the end of this summer, but uh, we're hoping that we're going to be calling him some sort of accolade winner in the German Football League, uh, which he is going to be participating in this upcoming summer. First of all, uh, David, congratulations on that opportunity, and, and thank you for telling us about that here on Forward Capital Crusaders. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. You know, it's been an honor just to talk with you about this so thank you all right david barnett senior wide receiver for capital football we are going to move it along here in forward capital crusaders after this short break and welcome to our newest senior spotlight and with us today we have from the women's lacrosse team senior brianna rampy from hilliard ohio and Brianna, first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Uh, Hope you're doing well out there considering all that we're combating around us. First and foremost, you know, how are you doing and how has this adjustment been for you? Yeah, um, I'm doing pretty well. Um, It's definitely been an adjustment, um, especially coming out of being in lacrosse season. I'm a very go, go, go person. Um, I work night shift at the hospital. I'm a student. I'm an athlete. So I don't really have a lot of free time. And now I've had nothing but free time. So I'm trying to figure out how to use it and make the most of it. Now, you say that you're, you're working in a hospital. In, in what capacity are you doing that? Um, yeah, so I work at Nationwide Children's in a NICU. So um, our census has been, like, really low throughout the hospital because we have no patients that have been affected directly by this. But, you know, the NICUs are still um, extremely busy. So I haven't been in the same capacity as everybody else has been that's been working in healthcare, you know, um, kind of been getting around that a little bit, but still been a change for us. Well, good. Well, you know, even though you may not be right in the thick of things, we still appreciate everything that you're doing uh, at the, with the healthcare system and everything like that. So thank you for, for your contributions there. And and that has to be a really incredible learning experience. I mean, you're not only learning your craft, but you're learning it in a time in which, you know, um, crisis management is going on all around you. So even though not directly impacted, it still does kind of impact you in some way, shape or form, does it not? Oh, definitely. Yeah, we've definitely um, in my unit alone. And I know the entire hospital, um, we've definitely had to make adjustments um, just with like following protocol that has been set in place, um, figuring out what to do with like PPE. You know, it's been a big issue for us. Um but yeah, definitely, definitely making adjustments. It's not, it hasn't been too drastic from um, what it was before, you know, still providing the best care, but um, it has been different. Certainly not the intern experience that you <laughs> had thought that you were going to get, right? No, very different. Yes. 
Well, you know, we'll get into what's coming up here uh, as it relates to your career path in just a second. But I kind of want to hit the rewind button real quick and just kind of go back to the beginning for you as a lacrosse player. Um, when did you pick up the stick for the first time? And, you know, when did you realize that this was something that you were passionate about and wanted to pursue beyond high school? Yeah, um, I started playing when I was in second grade. So kind of been playing, been around it, what feels like my entire life. Um, my older brother, Ryan, who also played at Capitol, picked up the stick first. And to this day, I follow the motto, anything he does, I can do too, and I can do it better. So um, he started the trend for our family, and um, we all just kind of really engaged in it and loved watching watching each other play um, and, you know, just like playing in the backyard. So um, he continued to play, and I continued to play, and it was just something that, like, my family really connected over. Um so it wasn't easy to make that decision that it was something that I loved and wanted to continue doing. Well, I know that for some, you know, lacrosse, at least in Hilliard, lacrosse is nothing new. Mm -hmm. um, you feel that lacrosse is a game that no matter what age you pick it up, you know, this is something that, you know, as long as you're athletic, that this is something that you can do, or are you glad that you picked it up as early as you did? Um, yeah, I think, I think like it, helped um me fall more in love with it being around it for so long but I do think I mean especially this past year we had players on our team who had literally never picked up a stick and ever played it in their life um so it's not something that I feel like you have to pick up at a young age um but I do feel like it benefited me in a sense um and others on my team for sure now, with you and your brother being in the backyard, did you guys play against one another? I mean, you both were on the attack, so somebody <laughs> had to play defense, right? <laughs> no, we just we mostly just shot around. Um, we had a goal, so in a bounce back net. So, um, you know, he always tries to coach me up, but <laughs> we mostly just shot around on the cage. All right, who's better, you or him? <laughs> I plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Probably smart. Yes. <laughs> No, you both had incredible careers here at, at Capitol. And so, you know, lacrosse, um, that might be your primary sport. But were there other sports that you played growing up? Yeah, um, I played soccer. I think every small child played soccer. But um, I played that my freshman year in high school as well. Um, wasn't something that I was good at, so I didn't stick around with it. Um, I always wanted to run track, but it fell in the same season as lacrosse, so that was never really an option. Um, but I started to run cross country my sophomore year with one of my best friends. Um, not that I enjoyed the running aspect in the longer distances by any means, but I felt like it really put me in shape for lacrosse season and it kept me active, um, every, like all 12 months of the year. So. Okay. Well, if not lacrosse, was there any of those that you would have liked to pursue or was it pretty much lacrosse or bust? Um, it was pretty much lacrosse or bust, but in a world where it wouldn't lacrosse didn't exist, I probably would have pursued track. Okay, very good. Well, uh, again, this is Brianna Rampy, senior attacker on the women's lacrosse team here at Capital University. And so we're looking now at maybe some inspirations that you've had over the course of your lifetime. Is there an athlete that stands out that you looked at and said, I want to be like that person? Um, honestly, no. I grew up more like watching teams as a whole as opposed to like watching um, a specific athlete and following them and I didn't really I mean I'm a sports fan 
Um, but I don't have like one diehard team that I follow or player that I follow either. Okay. Is there, um, you know, if you were to turn on the TV and be looking for a sport to watch, is there a favorite that you would watch? <laughs> Men's across. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so does that mean that you were a big fan of the uh, PLL beginning this uh, past summer or, you know, would, were you looking at other venues? Yeah, no, that was, the PLL was really cool. Um, it was an adjustment from, you know, what I grew up watching in like the men's sports world. I mean, very similar, but like, you know, shot clock times were different. Um, it was like way different watching PLL versus like division three lacrosse. So um, I did think that was really neat. Now, when you look at, um, you know, your career, obviously it ended in a, in a way that nobody could have even predicted, mm-hmm. but you know, there's got to be a lot of good things that you pulled away from it. Uh, you know, can you share with us a memory or a special moment that you think that you'll be taking on, uh, taking with you for the rest of your life? Um, I think there's obviously a lot of like fond memories that I have um, from my time here at Cap, but probably my most favorites that I like accrued over the years would be like all of the preseason or not preseason pregame um rituals that like my team and I had before every single game um I've lived with the same roommate since freshman year and my like the senior class the two of us and like the rest of the seniors would always go to um Dunkin Donuts before every game get a coffee and a donut before every game whether it was home away in state out of state didn't really matter we figured out a way to get our Dunkin um and then like just being in the locker room, the songs that we've listened to since freshman year, all the way through senior year, the songs that have changed over the years. Um, everyone has to have a braid in their hair for game day. So I just think like that, those are some of like the, the best memories just because regardless of who we are taking on the field, an easy team, a difficult team, you know, the hardest team that OIC, it didn't matter. We just, we took it all the same. Um, and it, that was kind of the best part. Now, squirrel moment for a breakout question. What was your uh, preferred donut when you went out to Duncan? (laughs) Strawberry frosted with sprinkles. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) (laughs) It certainly has worked out pretty well for you. Uh, So, um, you know, when you went back and you looked at uh, the reasons why you joined the Cat Fam, what were some of those reasons that made you say Cap was going to be your new home? Yeah, when I was in high school, I always thought, like thinking about college, I always thought I would go literally anywhere but 20 minutes down the road from my parents' house. Um, you know, my mom worked for the airlines, so if I ever felt homesick, that was never like a concern for me to be able to get home and see my family. So I thought what a perfect opportunity to explore the rest of the world um, and go anywhere. But I came and visited Capitol because my brother was here and I felt like it was an obligation. I think my family kind of, you know, well, Brie, let's just check it out. So I came and I remember visiting and I did not like the place at all. Like I was like, I have no idea what Ryan sees in this place. I'm not a fan. Everything's like all of the architecture. It's so much older than other schools that I had already visited. Um, and I kind of wasn't really looking past everything else. Um, but then I met Coach Wood or Coach Florence now and was introduced to all like the um, athletic facilities, you know, Burn Law Stadium. Um, I sat and watched a women's game. I came to many of Ryan's games. Um, and it was like just the atmosphere was so hard to like say no to. Um, and like once Ryan left for school, like we became – way closer than we ever were before and then I started to like have doubts about leaving and going farther away so 
Um, <laughs> and it was kind of like I had to sit back and think of like, do I want my parents to be able to be in the stands for every single one of my games or do I want them to be able to only watch it live? Um, so that was kind of a turning point for me. And I decided that cap was the place for me. Well, we do provide a pretty nice yeah. live stream, but we're actually more happy that they get to, to see you and that you yeah. are in Cap as well. Hearing their voices. Now, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, Bree, you know, you told us that you were working in a hospital. Is that to, to help us assume that you are working in the nursing field for your degree? Uh, what are you studying and where do you want to be? I am actually studying biology and a minor in chemistry. So um, science for sure, but I thought for the longest time I wanted to go to medical school, and um, I've at, since working at Nationwide Children's, I've really enjoyed getting a lot of patient interaction, um, and you don't really get that, surprisingly, as being a doctor um, in a more acute setting, so I've decided that I want to do something a little off track from that. I'm not sure what yet. I know I want to still stay in the medical field and do something of that nature, Um but I'm going to take a gap year and figure that out. And then I plan to be in grad school within the next year, um, pursuing whatever it is I find I love. <laughs> this might not be the worst year yes, for a gap year. Yes, no, nope, it's not. <laughs> so, it's getting slightly extended well, with this extra break. Gotcha. Okay, well, um, so if you were to, you know, pick your dream career or, you know, where you want to be 15, 20 years from now? Is there either a job or maybe a region of the world that you want to be in? Like, what do you want? Um, I don't know. I, I kind of live in the moment. I don't think that long term out. Um, and I don't have right now, I don't have a specific job. Um, I do know that I want to pursue something in pediatrics. Um, so I know I want to be working with kids. And I know that I want to be in a hospital setting. But you know, wherever life takes me, I'll be excited for. All right, sounds good. Now, when you do get that first adult full-time job paycheck, what's the thing that you're going to splurge on first? <laughs> um, probably a new phone. I'm still sporting the iPhone 7, and it's getting a little outdated. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. Okay, and, and, you know, if we were to say you were going to have an opportunity to uh, to have a meal and a conversation with anybody that uh, you wanted, who would that be and why? Um, you know, I haven't had like one idol that I've like followed through with um, since, you know, childhood or whatever. Um, but since all of this with coronavirus and such has taken its toll, I would probably be interested to sit down, you know, of course, once it all slows down um, with um, Amy Acton, the, doctor that has been you know making all the big calls for this um she's made some pretty crazy choice like positive good positive choices um and I'd be interested to hear like her thought process through all of it you know the data that supported all of her choices um and everything she went through I think it'd be interesting <laughs> well if you get that lunch date yeah book me on uh, you know <laughs> book me on that too because that's uh, that's definitely one yeah. that I'd be interested in too Awesome. Well, Brianna, thank you so much for joining us uh, and being a part of this senior spotlight. We wish we could have seen it all yes. the way to the end, but we're certainly glad that we did get to see you and, and have you be a part of the Cap Fam for the for your entire yes, career. Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate it. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Brianna Rampey, the senior from Hilliard, Ohio, from the women's lacrosse team on today's Senior Spotlight. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll move along here in this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. The clock has hit zero on episode three of Forward Capital Crusaders. We hope that you've enjoyed it and we'll come back for more as we support the purple and white and those student athletes of our 20 teams. In next week's episode, we'll check in on Cat Baseball with head coach Ryan Grice and then continue the episode with an ROTC theme. We'll dial in a favor from the U.S. Army to talk with former Capital softball player Chevy Hazlett to see how the program has landed her overseas. Then we'll welcome in cadets and athletes Wyatt Long and Emily Cooper to feature the program and finish up with our senior spotlight, ROTC cadet and softball player Morgan Fadel. Before we head out, we ask that you subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating if you like the show. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcast, and now on Apple Podcast as well. Until next time, Cat Fam, let's keep moving forward. Thanks for tuning in to Forward Capital Crusaders.